to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Thursday, September 14th, we're studying Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 to 34. In today's text, the Lord gives instructions for the Day of Atonement, by which He cleanses His sanctuary and by which He cleanses His people from their sins. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Harrison Goodman. Pastor Goodman serves as content executive for the Lutheran Youth Organization Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Great to be here. So, Pastor Goodman, talk to us about Leviticus 16. This is a pretty important chapter in the Scriptures. Yeah, I'm not intimidated at all to talk about this. Um, so this Leviticus 16, it is at the center of the book of Leviticus. It is the center of the Pentateuch. This is, uh, in a lot of ways, the, the center of the worship life of Israel and Old Testament. Uh, this, the Day of Atonement, is is sort of the foundation for which um, everything else is going to, to move forward from and, and gravitate back towards. And in all of it, it's it's pointing to uh, the death of, of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It is It is all about... Jesus. Um, it, it's important to kind of recognize as we're, we're dealing with this, that uh, this sort of speech that uh, the Lord is, is giving to Moses, um, it's framed sort of very particularly um, right after the death of, of Aaron's two sons. Um, this is uh, Nadab and Abihu who uh, brought forth um, unlicensed fire uh, into the Lord's presence and, and died. Um, it, it's sort of a recognition that uh, worship matters. Um, it, it matters to be clean before the Lord. It, it matters to uh, to do these things the right way. And then worship is not sort of uh, that which is in your heart that you think God would like, because here I, I made this finger paint for you, and so you have to like it because you love me. But, but rather, these are the things that God actually gives to us, so that uh, through these gifts that he gives to us, we can receive the things that we need to uh, to deal with not only our sin, uh, but also um, to to find shelter in Him, because what we have is uh, over and over again throughout this uh, this this chapter, the words like atonement and mercy, and so um, it, it's important to recognize that because we're picking up on the heels of a time where God didn't look all that merciful. Mm. All right, so this comes in the context of the death of Nadab and Abihu, as you said, that gets mentioned at the very beginning of chapter sixteen. That was back in chapter 10. What about the rest of the things that we've read so far in Leviticus, the sacrifices, the matter of clean and unclean? How do those fit into leading up to this Day of Atonement here in chapter 16? So, I mean, again, all of these things are, are sort of dealing with the day-to-day -day life of the people of Israel. Uh, chapters uh, 1 through 7 sort of talk about the, the normal sacrifices that, that are going to happen. Um, chapters uh, 11 through 15 talk about sort of classes of, of pure and, and impure, I believe. And, and so as we sort of start to deal with this, um, again, Leviticus chapter uh, 16, it, it deals with sort of all of the, the sins that the normal sacrifices did not atone for. It, it actually also addresses the sanctuary itself, uh, which is an important thing to talk about, uh, that there is such a thing as, as holy space, um, and, and that, that um, things can become 
unclean. Things can become defiled. Uh, when we sort of talk about th this idea that, that God himself is holy, uh, it, it actually does matter uh, because you get to see a, a glimpse of what it's like to be unholy um, and, and the consequences of that. But you also get to see uh, what it is that, that our Lord would do to make you holy, to make me holy, to make us holy, um, so that, that standing before him, uh, we receive blessings because we don't actually have a God who, who looks to condemn us, but we do have a God who's, who is who he is. Uh, this is, this is Yahweh. This is, I am who I am. Um, and, and his character doesn't change just to sort of fit our desires or, or our standards, but, but rather he has to change us to fit, to fit his own. Um, when we talk about sort of worship inside of the temple, uh, we have a God who, who not only calls us to make this place, but then shows us how he will cleanse it through the, this, this ritual so that we can gather around his presence uh, and, and receive good gifts from him. And I get to even sort of use words like we, uh, because even though these, these sacrifices uh, obviously have stopped with uh, the, the fulfillment that is Good Friday, we partake in, in something that is very, very similar because ours is not dependent upon the, the sacrifice of bulls and lambs, but the sacrifice of the only son of God. And in the same way, he calls us out of uncleanness and into cleanness, uh, away from a path of unholiness to, to walk the, the narrow road of, of, of holiness. And in both cases, he is the one who, who not only prescribes the, the ways and the rights that these things would happen, but he is the giver of good gifts that, that allow it to be. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit more about that, that fulfillment in Christ, just to give us by a, you know, more of a preview. You kind of spoiled the whole chapter, I suppose, by saying it's fulfilled in Good Friday. Yeah, well, we I mean, know I, that from the outside. I, I, I would hope that because we can't really even do this, this chapter at, at just to sort of like uh, do a do a big gotcha at the end, a big reveal. Like we were talking about Jesus the whole time. Uh, <laughs> rather, every every word of, the, of, of this chapter is, is crying out of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All of this is, is about Jesus. And the way that we start to look at it, it really starts to matter um, because in a big way, especially when you start to deal with um, these Old Testament sacrifices, it, it's it's tempting for the Christian to, to either look at this uh, in terms of trivia or, or, or even just sort of in terms of, of sort of a, a nostalgia or just chasing something that, that is far off. Um, and, and trivia is, it's, um, everybody thinks of Jeopardy, but, but trivia, it, it, think about the word trivial. Like this is information with no purpose. Um, if something is trivial, you know it, but it just doesn't matter. And in the same way, if, if you have memorized, you know, every form and function of these Old Testament sacrifices, but you do not realize that these things are of Christ, who is the fulfillment of all of them, then this, this information is, is without um, use to you. Um, whereas wisdom takes the knowledge that has been given to it and it digests it and it uses it for good. Uh, we get to actually peruse the book of Leviticus, even though none of us should be planning on sacrificing bulls and lambs on Sunday. Uh, please don't do that thing. Um, but, but rather you, you get to, to see um, that as all of these things were done, it, it was not done by a God who was sort of at one point in time cruel. Um, PETA hadn't gotten a hold of them yet. Uh, and now we've sort of, we've learned our lesson. We, we have adoption shelters, things like that. Uh, but, but rather, this has always sort of been the way of things, that, that sin breaks stuff. And, and the only way to, to cover sin is with blood. And in the same way that it was done before, it, it was done once for all with, with Christ. And so now as we, as we sort of look to... Uh, as we sort of look back to these these chapters, it's no longer sort of chasing something that's far off. And so because it is so far away, it's at least a little bit more interesting than the stuff we have every Sunday. Uh, but rather, we get to, to sort of look at the stuff that we're receiving on Sunday and, and better appreciate it. It's actually, um, it, it's something that Christians tend to do with the Jewish ceremonies, especially the high ones. Uh, Christians
Christians will will practice fake Seder sometimes too, and it drives me up a wall um, because I, I was raised Jewish. Um, this this was something that that was actually this was mine, um, and, and you guys have sort of taken hold of it. Like you, it's it's like when you buy your kids a really nice Christmas present and then they only play with the box. Um, you guys go to the Lord's Supper every single Sunday, but you want to dress up and eat a brisket like it's somehow better. But in all honesty, that was just the shadow of the thing that was to come. And, and in the same way, when we get to deal with with Leviticus, it's easy to sort of look at it and say, man, weren't things more interesting back then? It's easy to sort of look at things and say, man, I'm sure glad that we don't have to like deal with blood, I guess. But in all of it, if if, if all you're looking for is sort of trivial knowledge or, or just sort of something that is different because you're bored, you're going to miss the fact that in all of it, every single every single ounce of your divine service on Sunday, it is pointing to the fulfillment of, of just this chapter. So when you say that Leviticus, and this chapter in particular, is the center, well, we've got the center of Leviticus, the center of the Pentateuch, that's not speaking simply in a spatial sense that the third book of the is the middle of five, and this is the middle chapter somehow, but you're actually speaking, this is central theologically. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the way that we eventually would come to add uh, chapters to, to these books of, of Moses was done quite intentionally. Um, Moses didn't do this, we did this, but at the same time, um, the people who have dealt with this, who, would, who have received these gifts handed down from our fathers who have gone before us, we recognize this to be what it is all about. And, and when you sort of lose sight that this is the central part of Leviticus, it gets really easy to put the rest of the book away because it's full of a lot of other stuff. I know that you got to sit down with some other fun pastors and talk about some maybe potentially uncomfortable topics. Um, but again, if you're looking at these things divorced from justification, divorced from from Jesus on the cross, it's gonna be it's gonna be at best weird um, and outdated and, and at worst kind of awful. Um, but if you look at these things inside of uh, Christ who sheds his blood for the sake of, of sinners everywhere so that the those who are far off could be brought near so that those who are made strangers and enemies could be made uh, sons of God uh, then all of a sudden every everything inside of Leviticus all of the the other rituals all of the other mandates they, they start to point to something that that is the very same God who would shed his blood for you this is not sort of a God who had a million arbitrary rules about shellfish and so I don't understand why you guys are upset about the moral commandments um, but but rather this is the God who simply wishes to forgive sin by shedding blood. All right, so with all those things in mind, this is Leviticus chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, but in this way Aaron shall come into the holy place, with a bull from the herd for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat, and shall have the linen undergarment on his body, and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist, and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water, and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering, and one ram for a burnt offering." Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness to Azazel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself. 
and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. And he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small. And he shall bring it inside the veil, and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. And in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleannesses of the people of Israel, and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness." The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting, and shall take off the linen garments that he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place, and put on his garments and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar." And he who lets the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. And it shall be a statute to you forever in the seventh, that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in, a, in the year because of all their sins. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. That's our text for today. That's Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 to 34. 
So, Pastor Goodman, there at the end, that last note, Moses did as the Lord commanded him, reminds us that this is really a a bit of a narrative here in the book of Leviticus. It's not only instructions for what they are to do, but it's something that is happening at that moment. And that takes us back to the beginning of this chapter, which gives us the context. This is happening after the death of the two sons of Aaron. So talk about how that sets the context for this section of Leviticus. Right. I mean, you sort of get that, that just very clear undertone of what happens when you mess up. Um, like, like, let's go ahead and talk about the forgiveness of sins, because the forgiveness of sins might really be necessary. Um, we, we sort of start with the framework of how not to do things, uh, because it's, it's important to remember that, that you know, um, our best doesn't actually bring salvation. Um, we can do this in, in the good old Romans way, by works of the law, none shall be saved. Uh, but I, the Old Testament is, is um, it's brutal at times, but there, there's sort of a beauty to actually seeing all of the things that are spiritual in the New Testament happening in a concrete way in the Old Testament. Um, when when uh, in the New Testament, we, we talk about things like unbelief. This is what it looks like. Um, it's, it's easy to sort of write them off when somebody's not dropping dead in front of you. Um, but at the same time to, to watch somebody curse God, it it is, um, it it is an awful thing to watch somebody insistent that they can save themselves apart from the blood of the lamb. Uh, it it is, uh, it's a sad thing. Um, and it also lets us talk about, uh, what justification actually properly is. Um, it's interesting that like within, um, Within the, the second verse, we have the, the uh, we, they name it the mercy seat. Uh, Pastor, they, they call it the mercy seat, it, it, like a verse after the Lord sits on it and strikes dead uh, two people. And you get to sort of recognize the last guys uh, died doing this. And if you don't do it right, you'll die too. But let's talk about the mercy seat. Um, and, and again, it's, it's important uh, because now we get to talk about what forgiveness actually looks like, what atonement and, and mercy actually look like. Because it's, it's easy to sort of imagine that I am, uh, I am more loving than than God when it comes to uh, how I treat the people around me, uh, at least some of them, um, because I, I can talk about, you know, um, my family and, and my friends and the people I like and the people I understand and, and take no issue at all with the things that, that they do in their life because I, I can blame other people. I can come up with excuses. I can put the best possible in construction. I can I can justify their works apart from Christ. Uh, but that's not actually love to watch somebody uh, fall into to sin and, and unbelief and, and come up with excuses along the way. Um, you can even sort of talk about, you know, right and wrong in terms of, you know, systematic oppression. Um, we can talk about it in terms of the tolerance movement um, and, and the way that we're supposed to, you know, just love everybody. Um, the way the Lord expresses love is to actually cover over the things that break, not excuse them. It is to, to confront them head on and bleed for them himself. Um, and so when we talk about the mercy seat of God, it, it is not the God of downplaying sin. It, it's not the God of making little the things that cause death. Uh, It's the God that absorbs them himself. And the reason that we get to call it a mercy seat is because he actually wants to be the one who dies. He doesn't want Nadab or or Abihu to die. He wants to be the one who dies. And uh, we have a God then who who confronts the dying and the egotistical and the ignorant and the lost and the the forgotten and the the sojourner and the sinner. And he says, this is is what I will do for you. This is how it's going to be. And so inside of these things then, uh, we, we get the context, the narrative of, of the way that, that Israel operated. It was over and over again, God seeking out the same sinners because they, it, year after year sort of recognizes that they done messed up again the next year. Um, we, we're going to need a, a, another, we're going to need another couple of, couple of, uh, of uh, goats here. We're, we're going to need a, another bull. We're going to need to do this thing again because over and over again daily, we need forgiveness from, from God, but, but he never ceases to be the God of forgiveness. Uh, we get to actually see the God who is who he is. He is the God of justice, but he is also the God of 
of love. And those two things finally meet when, when there is his sacrifice made to cover our sins. Otherwise, you only have a God who is mad at the people who aren't me and loves me, and, and I'll, I'll decide when he's done being mad. But, but here we have a God who is perfectly just because he punished the sin. It's just he bears the weight of it himself. And we also have a God who is perfectly loving because, well, he himself covers our sin by, by bearing it himself. So, and all of that does center on this term, mercy seat, because Paul will pick up this same term in the Greek and use it to say this is who Christ is. Christ is our mercy seat. Mm -hmm. But for the, the sake of this Old Testament context, especially since this Day of Atonement really does change settings, we've been primarily around the, the burnt offering altar in the book of Leviticus. We're going to actually go into the tabernacle and into the most holy place with the Day of Atonement. What is the mercy seat that, that's being talked about here in Leviticus 16? So inside of the, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, there is sort of an outer room and an inner room that is the holy of holies and in the outer room you have the the lampstand and you have uh the the altar uh, or excuse me, um you have the the table of incense um and inside of the holy of holies uh that is veiled off uh, again um you you have uh you have the the uh the the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and sitting upon it are, are the, the golden seraphim with their, their wings ex extended. Um, here you have God in his, his real and raw presence actually dwelling in, in glory. Uh, glory being, again, a, a presence word. Uh, this is where God in, in all of his, his majesty and might and, and being uh, exercises his, his, himself to, to be in time and space so that we can actually interact with him. Um, we don't have a God who is everywhere. We have a God who can operate anywhere, but a God who locates himself. And, and again, with, with, with a very specific purpose, uh, God uh, places himself here again, so that, uh, he can be the source of blessing for the altar that will, will sustain, forgive and, and, and heal his people. So the mercy seat, again, is that cover of the Ark of the Covenant. It's there in the Holy of Holies, which generally speaking in Leviticus 16, that Holy of Holies, or sometimes we'll call it the most holy place, is talked about as the holy place here in Leviticus 16, just so that we're, we make sure we know where we are. So Aaron is going to go inside the veil. He's going to go before the mercy seat on the ark. He must go in the way that God gives him to go so that he doesn't die. The Lord's going to take the death upon himself. Again, all this is pointing us to Christ. Now, the Lord says he's going to appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, and we're going to see some incense for that purpose in a moment. What is Why the cloud over the mercy seat? Uh, it, it's it's um, to shroud God in and um, to signify His presence, presence, excuse me, in, in a blessed way. Um, we we have a God who exists there in, in such a way that to to behold Him and, and to be unclean is to is to die. Um, and so God He He veils Himself in a way that that we can then uh, that that we can apprehend Him, that we can lay hold of Him in the exact same way. Again, that that Christ is made man. Um, you have the the very same divine presence in the person of Jesus, who everybody walks with, speaks with, grabs hold of, uh, because God, he, he veils the, the majesty of his glory so that everybody who, who is around him does not perish for being unclean, because God does not want to actually come in uh, to, to be among us so that we would die, but 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 to, to be among us so that we would we would be forgiven and, and that we would live. And so in both ways, he, he sort of, he, he shrouds himself, he, he takes on a covering uh, so that he, he would... Uh, uh, he would be able to be near us without us keeling over. That's right. Now, throughout the Day of Atonement, as the Lord describes it, the main actor is the high priest. Aaron is doing most of this all by himself. And so as, as Aaron prepares for this Day of Atonement, 
there's a couple things that come to my to come into the four first is the the bull for the sin offering, the ram for the burnt offering, and then the clothing that he is given to wear. So talk about some of these initial sacrifices, the initial animals, and then especially the clothing that he's given to wear here. Right, the clothing to me is is probably the the more interesting thing because it's boring. Um, and and whenever something every everything else is really interesting, but this is boring. It's sort of a chance to sort of pause and, and take note. Maybe something's happening here. Um, the the normal way that Aaron would dress was actually in a pretty uh, ornate way. Uh, Exodus twenty eight speaks about this. Um, that the the normal sort of vestments that Aaron wore were not normal. They were they were extravagant. They were full of colors and gems and precious metals. And, and now for the Day of Atonement. Uh, he's in just sort of plain white linen. Um, it, it, it would almost be a, a shock. But um, during those other uh, burnt offerings, uh, Aaron dressed in glory and honor to represent the Lord to the people. But here he, he actually becomes then the mediator between the people and God. Here he actually represents the sinners uh, to the Lord. He, he becomes uh, the one who, who will bear the sins before the Lord and then uh, bear the blood so that the, the, the sin can be covered. Um, the, the dress is actually a, a wonderful thing because you get to sort of see that inside of the divine service uh, that we have today, uh, God operates uh, carrying all of the weight, doing all of the work. He, he never sort of sets himself free to just be among the people in a, in a whimsical fashion. Um, that, that sort of, you know, the wind blows where it wishes and it might. But God, when he deals with you, he insists that it be through certain ways so that you know that it works. And he also never sort of just lets it be to our own desire as far as how to interact with him. But, but God in his mercy uh, sends his Holy Spirit that he calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies, and keeps us. So he, he gathers his people forward so that we would bring our sins to Jesus. And, in, and then he, he um, he also works through through your pastor to forgive your sins. Uh, God is the operator of, of both of these things. But uh, what you get to see uh, here uniquely is the high priest actually um, assuming the role of, of the sinners to, to bring the sins before the Lord so that the Lord would deal with them in mercy. Uh, and so he begins then uh, here by by making a sin offering for for himself. Um, here we we have a, 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 a an Aaron who um, excuse me uh, who who gathers the 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 sin offering and the ram for the burnt offering for himself and he, he begins to sort of cleanse himself. He also washes um, as he as he deals with this. Um, and so as uh, Aaron gets ready to to approach the Lord, he he doesn't just sort of go on his best intention. He doesn't also just go on on sort of the the presumed mercy of God, but rather the explicit mercy of God. God says, "I want to be merciful to you, and I'm going to do it this way. So do it this way." And here you can be sure that it will it will work. And again, you you sort of have the the reminder of what happens when we sort of assume the Lord's mercy operates in in our ways in Nadab and Abihu. In that God is is not going to ignore um, that which is unclean. He he cannot. It's like when a spider crawls on your face, like you just slap it. It's not a consideration for the spider's feelings and and chances to repent. You just got to slap it. And in the same way, um, God he 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 lays out very very sort of straightforward ways that. Um, sinners can approach him so that there will be no option other than the reception of forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Yeah, as we've seen throughout the book of Leviticus, God comes to us on his terms so that he can give us that very full-fledged mercy that we're seeing here in Leviticus chapter 16. We're going to keep looking at it more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Harrison Goodman this morning. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Who does Lutheran Church Extension Fund serve, you ask? It's simple. 
We serve Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and church workers with loans and ministry services. And it's faithful Lutherans like you, church members and church workers alike, investing with LCEF that makes it possible for LCEF to serve these ministries. Learn more at lcef.org. LCF is a nonprofit religious organization. Therefore, LCF investments are not FDIC insured bank deposit accounts. This is not an offer to sell investments or solicitation to buy. LCF will offer and sell its securities only in states where authorized. The offer is made solely by LCF's offering circular. Investors should carefully read the offering circular, which more fully describes associated risks. back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, September 14th. We're studying Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 to 34 with Pastor Harrison Goodman. He serves as content executive for Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, prior to the break, we were talking about the clothes that Aaron is given to wear, these simple clothes. He is representing the people before the Lord, carrying their sin with him as he's going to make this cleansing atonement that the Lord is giving. He's got some sacrifices to take with him. There's also these two goats that are given, and there's going to be lots cast to determine which one does which thing. Talk to us about these two goats. Um, yeah, and cast lots might not be sort of the right uh, expression either. Um, cast lots, we, we sort of imagine, you know, the rolling of dice, the, the somehow determining of probability. Um, they, they cast lots over Jesus' clothes. They cast lots for the, the next uh, of the, the 12. Um, they Here, it, it, they place lots. Um, in other words, they, they sort of put name tags on the two goats, um, really. Um, hi, my name is. Um, and then, then you get to go with that. Sorry, you're taking a drink right and I was being silly. Um, so rather, though, um, this isn't simply a, a question of chance or probability, like, hey, which one's going to be the lucky one and which one's not? Uh, but, but rather, who do you belong to? Um, they, they, they place the lots upon them, uh, one uh, belonging to the Lord and one belonging to Azazel. Um, belonging to the Lord is the sacrifice. Belonging to the Lord is the shedding of blood. Belonging of the Lord uh, is, is the atonement. Um, and, and so uh, this, this goat then belongs to the Lord, and the Lord does what the Lord is. Um, he he sheds blood for the forgiveness of sins. This is the the lamb uh, who, who will be bled, who, whose uh, blood will then soak um, the the the. Uh, the Holy of Holies uh, and the mercy seat that will soak the altar uh, and that, that will be uh, the, the propitiation of the sins. And then belonging to Azazel, uh, the, the scapegoat, the, the escape goat, if you like the office. Um, he, he's not actually wrong, Michael Scott. It's kind of cute. Um, he is the, the, the lamb uh, that uh, all of the sins are, are cast upon, uh, confessed over, and then he is cast off into the wilderness. Um, Azazel is kind of a fun name because it, it's people argue over what it means. And I, I, I don't know if it might not just be both. Um, like I, I got a, I got this God who who works such what such wonderful things that every once in a while maybe he's allowed a twofer. I don't know. Um, but but uh, Azazel, it, it is like the escape goat. Um, you, you could sort of uh, literally uh, mean it this way. Um, the goat who who is uh, is cast away into the wilderness. But Azazel um, is also uh, in, in a lot of commentaries uh, spoken of as sort of the, the demon of the wilderness. Um, it's it, it sort of cast off into the the. Uh, the, the places that, that God is not. Um, and this is what happens to our sins. Our, our sins are cast far away from us. The devil can have our sins. They have no charge over us anymore. He, they're, they're, let him just be gone. If, if all he wants to do is, is meditate upon your sins so that he can accuse you of them day and night, you get to recognize that, that, that there was the other goat as well that, that belongs to the Lord. Uh, he, 
your sins, uh, your sins were bled for. And so if the devil really wants to collect them and keep them off in his native place, that's fine. He can have them, but you, you belong to the Lord. Uh, and so we have these, these two goats that are given, uh, hi, my name is name tags. Lots are, are placed over them. And then Aaron takes the, uh, the goat, uh, that, that belongs, uh, to the Lord and he uses it for a sin offering. Um, and, and so I guess that's where we're going to go next, huh? Sure. Yeah. Keep going. Keep telling us about these goats, and we'll get to the Azazel goat a little bit. Yeah, later he's going to—he's just going to be in timeout for a minute. Yeah. Um, right now, uh, right now, Aaron is going to to begin to enter into uh, the tabernacle, into the the most holy place. Uh, he'll go in, I, I believe, three times uh, before it's all said and done. Um, he he takes uh, the bull for the sin offering and, and makes atonement, and he kills the bull as a sin offering for himself. And he takes a censer full of coals and fire from uh, before the altar of the Lord, two handfuls of of extra grounds fine incense and he he brings it inside of the veil and there he puts the incense on the fire before the lord uh so that the mercy seat would be covered and then he begins to to sprinkle the blood um he sprinkles first the blood of the bull uh upon uh the 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 mercy seat of the lord seven times um and uh also on the east side uh and then he will kill the goat and uh this is for the people he will bring its blood inside of the veil to do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. So we have then Aaron being made clean before the Lord so that uh, he, he might offer this sacrifice. And then this this is as for all of the sins of the people. It is for all of the people. There is there is nobody in Israel for whom this, this lamb is not sacrificed. There is there is no sin in Israel for, for which this lamb is not sacrificed. Uh, here, uh, he makes an atonement for the holy place, um, and he recognizes that there is something actually, it's not just a series of, of oopsies that the people of Israel did, and it's not even just sort of a series of, of I, I knew better but did it anyways that, that we get a one a year for, uh, but, but rather there is actually a condition of, of Israel that is so unclean that, that even the things that Israel would receive from need to be cleansed. And so um, from the, the tent of meeting uh, and, and working its way outward, uh, we have the forgiveness of sins and the atonement uh, going forward, paid for, shed, covered in the blood of the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Uh, the, 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 um, the sacrifice does not start at the altar and work its way to the presence of God, but rather it starts from God and it works its way through the altar for the people. And, and it's an important thing to remember that, that what happens on a Sunday morning, it, it is not sort of the, your pastor, um, I, I guess we could take a shot here, uh, re-sacrificing the blood of the lamb for before the throne of, of, of God so that he can take it up to God and then the, the people would be forgiven, but rather mercy comes from God through through the altar is given to the people. Uh, what you get on Sunday morning, when you go to church, when you go to communion, when there is the blood uh, of the lamb that you drink for the forgiveness of your sins, it comes from the most holy one of Israel, and it is given through uh, a very important way. Uh, atonement begins before the throne, and, and it goes outward. Um, and, and it becomes uh, more and more glorious. Um, in, in Leviticus, uh, nobody else gets to go in the tent of meeting. You said it yourself. This is sort of Aaron's, Aaron's flying solo for just about all of this thing. Uh, he is the high priest who, uh, who, who goes into the, the most holy place once a year. Um, I, I don't know where the reference is, but uh, somebody told me once that, that they actually tied a belt around him in case he messed up so they could drag him back out of there. I've heard that too. I'm not sure if it's in the scriptures or if that was uh, maybe in some uh, rabbinic literature somewhere, but I've heard that too. Right. Like I'm all about sort of wearing a seatbelt too. So, okay. But, um, you, you know, uh, we, we get to actually recognize that, that Aaron here, um, goes behind the most holy place and even there operates, uh, behind, uh, a, such a, a thick veil of incense that he cannot see the presence of the Lord. And, and the Lord, uh, is also sort of, uh, veiled from him. But, but here we, we have this very same curtain. This is the thing that is torn 
from top to bottom as Jesus is crucified. Um, as Christ was crucified, the lamb was slain to take away the sins of the world. No more must God's presence be veiled because now we're not just sort of counting down the timer until next year when we have to do it again. This was the once for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of all of your sins, past, present, even future by Christ who bore the cross for you. And so you get to even see the curtain torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. This is not our way to sort of make a way up our way to God, but God ripping forth from the heavens down to earth uh, a way that there anything that would stand between us and his presence so much. So some churches even now, um, you, you'll get to see, you'll go uh, in, into the sanctuary and you'll look and they'll actually have two curtains um, behind the altar. The altar is now in front of them, that the, 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 the chalice, that the, the host is all set upon because God is now sort of made manifest in a way that you can receive him at the communion rail. Uh, we have confidence now to enter even the holy places by the blood of Jesus, says the writer of Hebrews, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, this is Jesus, the great high priest. Let us draw near with a true heart, full of the assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, we have a God who, who makes us so clean that we can go where Aaron went, um, that, that uh, God's presence is no longer sort of um, veiled from us, but rather it, it is, is held up from us and it becomes the source of our peace and no longer the source of our terror. Your pastor, he'll hold up the, the host and the chalice uh, after the consecration and, and he'll sing, the peace of the Lord be with you always. And this is the very same presence of the Lord that Aaron had to hide from behind smoke that, that nobody else could go and see. And you get to look up at it and you get to recognize Recognize this is God brought near to you uh, for the forgiveness of sins for everything that, that Leviticus is speaking about here. This is then the atonement brought to you. So as you said, this mercy starts with God and it proceeds outward. And we've seen now Aaron enter into the holy place, the most holy of holies, before the mercy seat. He's gone three times making atonement, cleansing these places from the people's sins. And now it, it continues to go outward. So having done this in the holy place where the Ark of the Covenant is, now he goes out to the altar, which again is where most of the book of Leviticus is centered up to this point, and he's going to cleanse that too. Talk about the significance there. Right. The altar, the altar would sort of cease to be the place for the performance of the rituals, and it now actually gets to receive the rituals. It, it gets to benefit from uh, that which is performed in the Holy of Holies. Um, you get to recognize that uh, sin is uh, it's an infection. Um, it, it just it doesn't sort of stay where you want it. It, it stains. It, it, it makes unclean other things around it. Uh, you, you see it uh, in, in even secular words like trauma, um, that, that there can be something that, that happens to you that so profoundly affects you that, that a part of you is changed by it, that they can even measure it in your neurons in your brain. Uh, sin breaks stuff so much that you can see it in, in an MRI, um, that the people who have been traumatized, they have been defiled by sin in such a way that they, they are, are different now. In the same way. Uh, the altar that, that is the place where over and over again sin is brought, um, it needs to be cleansed too. And, and honestly, if there's there's any, any advice in this, even uh, for, for the clergy, it, I would say uh, make sure you yourself have a pastor. Uh, if you're going to be brought the sins of, the, of your people day after day after day, uh, it, it'd probably be good for you to receive uh, for once uh, the, the forgiveness of sins yourself. Because bearing witness to, to these things that happen over and over again, to, to regularly sit with 
people on the worst days of their life, even with a pastor of your own, it, it can be a challenge. Please pray for your pastor. Um, but but also recognize, though, that the Lord has not forgotten even these things. Uh, he actually, in his mercy, he cares even for the table. He cares for the table that the table would be pure. He cares for your pastor, that your pastor would be made new in his baptism every day, and he cares for you in the same way. But but God even cares for the means of grace that that he would use. And so when we, when we deal with them ourselves, we get to recognize that uh, these things, these things matter so much to the Lord that he would actually work to name them clean so that we would receive from them without worry, without fear, without without uh, anything that would, would sort of come along with that which which our unclean hands would sully. But but rather, um, we, we get a, an, an Aaron who, who brings out the mercy from the mercy seat and he makes it a, a, a source of blessing that the altar would again be a, a place where the people can come to receive good gifts from God as, as the priest sacrifices there. Right. So for the rest of the year, then, when you take your sacrifice to the priest to be sacrificed on the altar, because this has happened on the Day of Atonement, you know that this is now a place of God's mercy rather than judgment, that it has been cleansed for this very purpose. Right. That that really matters, because if you're going to bring your sins somewhere and, and the guy who looks at your sins has struck down sinners, you want to be sure that mercy's on the other end of it, not not justice. The reason that the Lord lays out all of these things is so that well, the people know what's at stake. They, they've watched what sin does. And, and even the people who, who would not believe in God still recognizes the danger in this world, still recognizes there are some things that just change a person. Again, we, we talked about words like trauma. You don't need to be a Christian to understand that's real. Um, when you're going to take something as, as, as profoundly evil and dangerous and deadly as sin to the God who threatens to punish it, you want to know which way that, that direction is going. And, and the glorious thing here is that uh, the Lord makes clear in this sacrifice, he's bearing it himself. When you bring your sins to Jesus, Jesus carries them to the cross. He doesn't hit you or punish you for them. He himself bears the weight. Yeah. So then we come back to the other goat with the other name tag, Azazel. He comes back into to play. What happens to the goat wearing this name tag? Uh, Aaron grabs hold of it. Uh, he lays both of his hands on the head of the goat, and he confesses over it all of the iniquities of the people of Israel and all of their transgressions and all of their sin. The high priest, he actually owns the sins of the people, and he confesses them as his own sins because, again, these are not sort of ours to carry around, but these are ours to pass upon the Lord. The high priest owns the sins of the people, and, and um, then, well— cast them away. This is uh, this is sort of a wonderful thing uh, because there are no sins that are not included in this. Uh, in in uh, so many of the other burnt offerings, there are, there are sort of um, there are, are limitations to these sacrifices. There are things that they cover and things that they do not. This is all of the sins. Even even that sin that that you hide so deep in your heart. Even that sin which you you even just sort of you're probably not even as sorry for as you wish that you could be. Um, that sin is confessed over the head of the lamb that will be cast out into the wilderness because the, the high priest won't let you sort of will it, it, it gone. The high priest won't let you sort of make atonement for yourself. The high priest won't even let you hold it on if you desperately want to. He takes it from you and he makes it his own and then he confesses it as his own and, and then he he casts it off into the wilderness. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting that the high priest, uh, he becomes pure only to take the sins of the people and cast them upon the Lord too. Uh, over and over again, we sort of see this this pattern that our sins are meant to be taken to Jesus, and Jesus takes them away. And, and in the same way, you have Jesus, who is the great high priest, who comes into this world undefiled, without original sin, um, 
actually holy, actually worthy of all of the glory that the, the angels sang uh, to shepherds. And what does he do? But he, he dives into the Jordan River to assume our sin as he is baptized by the baptizer. And he carries our sin all the way to the cross. He, he uh, confesses them as his own sins, and he bears the wrath of God for them. Uh, it, what we have here is, is a fulfilling of the law, uh, then a confessing of being a sinner that that the high priest was not because he was he was pure we have we have again the lord working as the lord tends to do we, we have a picture of jesus mm, yeah and when it comes to these two goats I, I think you've used the term from john the baptist lips several times the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world if you want to ask well well which which lamb is it that he's talking about it's the answer is yes <laughs> both both of them Right. Um, and it's actually, again, we, we have a Jesus who is both the, the, the priest and the sacrifice. We have a, a Jesus uh, who, who assumes both roles. And so the, the goats, don't let the math fool you. God's better at math than us. Um, it, it's okay. Uh, but, but rather, uh, what, what matters is the promise that God would attach to it. Uh, the goat bears all of their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and there it is, it is cast it is cast off into the wilderness. Um, here we, we have this this sort of once-for-all uh, sacrifice uh, uh, being, again, pointed to uh, as as Jesus is, is uh, led out into the hill in Golgotha to, to not only be the high priest, but to also be, to be the sacrifice. Mm. Now, after Azazel has gone out into the wilderness, Aaron once again is going to take a bath. This is the second time now that he's bathed, and he's going to change his clothes back to his normal garments. Talk about this transition. Yeah, um, so I, Aaron was be, before the very presence of God. Um, he, he bathed not because he is um, particularly unclean, but because he is particularly holy. Um, he, he, he bears this sort of abundant holiness all about him. And if he's going to sort of return back to his normal vocations, um, here you actually get to recognize that, that the holiness of God is, is, is good and is potent and it is wonderful, but, but misapplied, it can be dangerous. Again, remember Nadab and Abihu. Um, and so for, for Aaron to sort of um, bear this, this abundant holiness outside of his vocation, outside of his function, outside of the rituals that he has been given to perform with it, uh, it actually becomes dangerous to the rest of the people. And so uh, Aaron, he, he leaves the, the, the special clothes in the meeting tent um, in, in the sort of outer room. Um, he, he bathes uh, and, and he washes his, uh, his body in water so that he would come again into the camp. And um, then again, also the, the, um, the man who would, uh, who would bear the, the goat uh, Azazel out into the wilderness, he also will, will bathe as he comes back into camp, uh, recognizing that, that he is uh, washed clean from these sins, that they, they don't follow us, that, that you don't confess them, leave them at the cross, and then pick them back up and carry them home on Sunday. Uh, but, but rather, they, they stay there. Um, it, it's, it's sort of a wonderful thing when you, when you have a baptismal font, like right in the, the, the doorways of the church, right by the narthex, because you get to sort of even, even see this. Uh, when you're coming into church, you get to touch water and remind yourself, as sure as water is wet, I'm baptized and I belong here. But, but even still, as, as you sort of uh, get to leave church, you, you get to touch water again. And just remember, as sure as water is wet, I'm baptized and I can't have those sins that I gave to Jesus back. They're actually still out in the wilderness on the cross where they belong and they're not mine to follow me around anymore. Uh, it's, an, it's an important thing to remember because I can confess the sin, I can hear the absolution, but the devil, even, even my own sinful flesh, it just sort of loves to, to grab back hold of that and sing and say, yeah, okay, but... Am I really forgiven? Yeah, but I actually, I don't feel as sorry as I should. I might even do it again. What now? And the, the answer is always just sort of a, a return to the washing of the Lord, um, that, that his sacrifice separates you from your sin and you are clean from it. You don't get it back anymore. 
Yeah, I mean, the combination of what happens with Azazel and baptism, as you're describing it, and these cleansings to make sure you know your sins are gone, it reminds me of that. There's a wonderful passage toward the end of the prophet Micah, where God is the one who casts all of our sins into the depths of the sea, and they will never never be fished up, just as surely as that, that Azazel will not come back from the wilderness. Your sins are gone. They are dealt with. The The change of clothes by the, the priest here, you know, given what you were saying earlier about when he's wearing the plain clothes, he's representing the sinners before God. Now he's got his, his normal high priestly garb on, once again representing God to the people. It, it, kind of to go with that idea of the assurance again, what happens on the Day of Atonement, it works. God is, mm. is merciful to you, and so the high priest gets to continue in this vocation in which he is the one who is giving the mercy of God to the people through his ongoing vocation among them. Absolutely. I mean, even like it's, it'd be great to see him again, not dead. Like you, you get to realize like if the, yeah, the, the verse, right. the chapter is starting off, these guys died. <laughs> and if he does this wrong, he'll die. And then you get to see him the next day. Like, like, no, he's dressed for, for work. He's not dead. This thing, this is good. We're okay. God is still merciful. That's a good reminder. Every time you get to see your pastor not dead, you get to remember God is still merciful. Um, and, and, you know, we, we get to then confront the elephant in the room that um, ours is an office, um, just like Aaron's. There, there will be other high priests and there will be other pastors pastors. One day I'll die. Um, unless the Lord comes back, that'd be cool. I'm, I'm all about that. But, but if, if I die, he'll send another pastor. And, and as long as there is an office of pastor, the God is still merciful. As long as he is still sending out uh, preachers to, to preach the forgiveness of sins that, that is, is one upon the cross of Calvary, where Christ, the, the Lamb of God, actually did take away the sin of the world, then this stuff actually worked. And the stuff that you're receiving in church, it, it's, it's doing its job. Yeah. Now, at, by the end of verse 28, then, that's the enactment of the Day of Atonement at this time, there at the foot of Mount Sinai, in wake of the death of Nadab and Abihu. Verses 29 through the end of the chapter are the Lord's instructions how this is to be carried on each year. Talk about some of the things that the Lord gives as a yearly observance for this Day of Atonement. Right. He, he first gives us a day for it, which which actually really does matter. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord will, will do these things on. And, and so, again, it's, it's not just sort of by your heart. When you feel particularly sinful or particularly not sinful, that's how you know whether to do the sacrifices. But he actually marks a day for it and says, you know what? Let's let's instead of sort of measuring your heart against the, the statutes of God, let's measure the statutes of God against your heart. This is the day that we're going to recognize that that there needs atonement. And, and for those who who feel their sins and for those who don't, this is the day. Um and, and then from there, he he lays out uh fasting and and Sabbath rest, um, not only for you, but even for the strangers and sojourners uh, among you. Because again, this is for all of the people. Um it, it's not just sort of like there's no food for any guest this day, deal with it. Um but but rather uh, a God who who simply says this is a, a gift in the, the atonement that is so profound that that even just sort of walking through it, I want you to hear about it. I want you to to know it. I want you to receive it. The, this forgiveness of sins is is for all people, for all the world, for you. And so um, when we talk about afflicting yourselves, uh, we, we get to sort of recognize um, what it is to, to fast. Uh, fasting is good. Fasting is even sort of assumed to happen even in the New Testament when Jesus says things like, when you fast, do it this way, like you'll get for your Ash Wednesday text. And that fasting made no atonement. 
That fasting did not forgive the sins. You know what forgave the sins? The sacrifice of the lamb. Um, but the, the fasting actually marks that something very significant is happening here. A and it makes you sort of wrestle with the idea that you might need a forgiveness of sins because your, your flesh is not as, uh, it, it, it's not as holy as you seem to want it to be. It gets hangry. And so even in sort of wrestling with, with what it is to be hangry, you get to realize this atonement is, is good. Um, here, uh, we, we have a, a promise that uh, the Lord would continue to, to do this thing too by, by giving it a day and, and by putting these things around it, you can also look forward to it next year. You get to recognize that the, it's not sort of our last chance. Now, now we've forgiven our sins. Now we, we've amended our life. Now we're on our own. Now we're carrying the ball that the Lord has handed us and now we're going to work out our own salvation. But rather, this is simply a, a mark in the liturgical calendar of the church that we receive mercy. And so too for us, we, we celebrate Easter every year and it's a good thing. Not because like it, it, we, we need Christ to rise again from the dead, but because we need to depend upon this, this gift that is the victory over the grave over and over again. And it's a glorious thing to, to sort of recognize even on Ash Wednesday. All right, this is just for a season. Easter, Easter will come. It becomes a statute for us as well, um, because the atonement is, is made for us, um, and that this atonement is is done because the Lord commands atonement to be done. Um, I really like the way that that it sort of ends inside of uh, verse thirty four. Um, Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses, because this is not sort of a burden upon Aaron. This is a gift given to him. Um, the Lord commanded mercy be given. The Lord commanded atonement be made. The Lord commanded forgiveness be made for sinners, for you, for me, for all. And if the Lord then would command it, uh, who are we uh, but to say amen? Pastor Goodman, we've got about two minutes left here in the morning. Reflecting on this central chapter of the Pentateuch, one of the most important chapters of the entire Old Testament, Help us to see, again, Christ as the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement. Yeah, it's Jesus in every single verse. It's Jesus in every single way. He is the Lamb who is cast off into the wilderness, uh, who, who is uh, sent out to, to confront uh, the devil as he, he bears the cross in the, in, in, on the hill that is Golgotha. He is the Lamb that is, uh, that is shed, that the, whose blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins. He is the high priest who stands before the Lord and, and makes a, a confession of all of my sins and all of your sins, and he is uh, the sin. Uh, he is the high priest who who offers up the sacrifice. In, in all of these things, you have a, a Jesus who who draws near to be among the people in a, a very real and and, and raw presence, uh, not to condemn, not to chase away, not even to to just sort of cast down more arbitrary rules, but to bear forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation by bleeding, by dying, and by rising again from the grave. So that as we start to dive into these sacrifices inside of Leviticus, we get to see not simply a, a, a different kind of God who operated in a different way before Peter. But, but rather that sin has always demanded a, a payment in blood. But, but yours is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yours is the Jesus who bleeds. So that when the baptizer points at him in the beginning of the, the book, uh, John, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, you can think about Leviticus chapter 16 and recognize the death sentence that is given and, and the joy that it is to be able to proclaim that because this is the final, this is the last one. We don't need it anymore. The, the Lamb of God will be slain once and for all. And, and in his death, uh, we die. And in his resurrection, we live. Pastor Harrison Goodman is the content executive for the Lutheran youth organization, Higher Things. He has been helping us today to study Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 to 34. Pastor Goodman, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about Leviticus chapter 16, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.